We are talking about, last week we started on this thought about revive my purity, revive my purity. And uh, I would apologize to you for last week because it was kind of harsh, right? We were right on Front Street. God was talking about purity and to all of us. And uh, sometimes that kind of hurts a little bit, you know? It's kind of like, you know, a rose getting trimmed, right? And um, we, got, we get trimmed sometimes. And so God knows that. And so today I want to continue in that same thought of revive my purity. I want to finish that off. Uh, but it's going to be a little easier today, okay? It's going to be the other side of it. Now, some of you may say, well, we don't need that. Pastor Mike, you know, we hardcore. We want the hard part. But here's the thing. Jesus is the master at getting us to live up to a standard and trimming off, maybe I shouldn't say trimming off the fat because some of us might take it personal, but trimming off things that we don't need and at the same time having compassion, amen, and empathy and bringing us to a right place. We need to have both. We need both to be complete in Christ, amen. So this is the second half of that. What we're going to talk about today uh, are four questions that you can ask when you're going along through life and you're wondering, man, am I walking in a pure life? Because we know, we, we sang about it, we talked about it, uh, that we are, are still humans, right? And so it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse, but we know that we fall short from time to time. We have to ask for forgiveness. God knows that about us as well. And so uh, what can we do? How do we balance all that out to know, am I living the pure life that God has called me to? And I believe the Lord has given us some questions that we can ask in every situation to measure that against God's word, against these questions, to know that you're walking in the right way. You're walking the right path. Amen. We're talking about King Josiah last week. King Josiah was probably the youngest king that ever became king, right? And uh, he became king at eight years old when his father was assassinated. His father was King Amon. His grandfather was King Manasseh, and neither one of them were good kings. In fact, there hadn't been a good king since Hezekiah, okay? And so there was a, a long line of kings for some years that were evil. They put the book of the law away. They didn't follow God, and uh, they were just evil kings. And perhaps Josiah's greatest accomplishment as king was rediscovering the book of the law. The book of the law. If you want to read about King Josiah, you can read about him uh, in Chronicles 34, which is where we will be. Uh, and Chronicles 34, I'm going to look at verses 31 to 33. Let's look at the first two of those verses, 31 and 32, real quick. And I'm reading from the King James Version. If you have a different version of the Bible, we'll be at the same place together. I don't get caught up on versions. I do have a problem with some of them, but guess what? We have the same Holy Spirit. God knows. We'll get to the same place together. Amen? So the Bible says about King Josiah, Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord. Okay? to follow the Lord and keep his commandments and keep his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and with all of his soul. Why? To perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. Take a stand. Some of us need to take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. The Bible says in another place that when King Josiah 
discovered this book of the law that had been hidden, he tore his clothes. He tore his clothes because he he couldn't believe that there was this word of life that we should have been following the whole time. And it was hidden away. The word was hidden away. So before we get to a pure life, listen, a, a pure life is a life that you cannot do on your own. You can't do on your own. You can determine in yourself, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to be a right person. I'm just making a decision. I'm just going to do it. And you'll do it on Monday. Then Tuesday, somebody get on your nerves. And then Wednesday, three or four or five people get on your nerves and a bill collector call. Bill you don't even owe. They're looking for somebody else. And then all of a sudden, you begin to lose your purity. Because in your flesh, you don't have the strength to live a pure life. So what did Josiah do? He made them take a stand. First thing he did was say, we're going to return to God's word. We're going to return to God's word. If we're going to renew our covenant with God, this is the first thing. I know I'm not holding up a paper Bible. I get it. I should be my iPad, but this is the Bible. My Bible's in here. Return to God's Word. Can I tell you something that's real simple that you don't want to do? Read God's Word every day. Read it every day. You don't have to read seven chapters of Leviticus every day, but you can read a psalm or two. You can read one psalm and one proverb. In fact, you can read three psalms and a proverb every day. Come on. You can read one chapter of a gospel. You can read the book of Acts. Read God's word every day. Return to God's word. Why? Because the word, and it's not just the written word, but it's the rhema word. It's like a two-edged sword, Hebrews said. Come on, cutting asunder between soul and spirit. This is how we can become pure. You can't make a decision in your mind to become pure and not return to God's word and sustain it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So they return to God's word. And then Josiah, the Bible says he tore his, 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 his clothes. I'm not asking you to tear your clothes. That's not what God is asking you to do. But he responded humbly to the word of God. He responded humbly. God, I know I am not living up to this standard. There was a time when Jesus was talking to his people and he gave an example of two people who were praying. He said there was uh, this man who was a sinner and he was praying and then right beside him there was this Pharisee. And this Pharisee's prayer went something like this. God, I just thank you that I'm not like this man, that I'm holy and righteous. I got your, your word. I got the scriptures written on the bottom of my robe. And I, I spend time in the synagogue. And maybe that's not exactly what he said. And probably not like that either. You know, some old black preacher. But he, he, he said, you know, God, uh, I'm glad that I'm not like this person. And then... The other man, when he prayed, he said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. In other words, I'm here before you. And those places I fall short, I give to you, God, because I know I'm not living up to the standard. I'll admit it. I'm not living. He might, he might say he is, and maybe he is. I don't know about him. I know about me. I know that I'm not living up to the standard. Can you 
help me. And be willing to do what God tells you to do. Do you know I'm not preaching about this today, but that's what it means when you say in Jesus' name. You're going to pray something in Jesus' name that means you do it the way he tells you to do it, according to his word. That's another, that's another sermon. We're going to get to that one day. But it responded humbly. And, and basically what Josiah was doing was he was asking God to revive his heart and revive the heart of Israel, Judah. It revive our hearts for purity. In verse 33, the Bible says, Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligent to serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not part from following the Lord God of their fathers. They did not follow because they submitted themselves. They admitted and then they responded humbly to God. So what we're talking about is purity. Why, why can't I? Brother Mike, Pastor Mike, why, why can't I, I? I feel like I can. Well, let me just tell you what purity is. If you feel like you can live a pure life without the word of God. Purity is being free from sin or moral wrong altogether. Altogether. Free from mixture, defilement, or contamination of the world. The world. A pure life is that life that's set apart to God completely. Listen to me, completely unmixed with the beliefs, the attitudes, and passions of this world. We got a problem with that today. We have a problem with this today. Our purity as Christians being mixed with the beliefs, attitudes, and passions of this world. I told you I was going to be nice today. I'm sorry. But it's the truth. It's a life that's without that mixture, a life that is 100% God. Do you know what 100% means? Do you know what 100% means? That means no lack. That doesn't mean 99.9999999. It's 100. So if you feel like you can do that without God's word, God bless you. You're the standard that I'm trying to live up to. You're the standard that Oral Roberts is trying to live up to. You're the standard that Billy Graham and T.D. Jakes and whoever else you want to say is righteous and, and Mother Teresa is trying to live up to. If that's the way you feel, because the only one walked 100%, and that was Jesus. Come on. So that's what purity is. Holiness consists of that internal change or renovation of our souls whereby our minds, affections, and, and our will are brought into harmony with God and his word. If you feel like you can do that without God's word and without his Holy Spirit, God bless you. Let me just tell you something, though. I wrote this definition of holiness. Let me just tell you what holiness is. For those of you who grew up in church, let me help you out. Those of you who didn't grow up in church, you might look at those of us in church and, and think, oh, well, I, holiness, maybe that's dressing dressing a certain way or that's having my hair or having that conversation. When I come to church, I, I speak like this. Hello, how you doing? God bless you. Not how I talk on Monday, but I'm holy on Sunday because that's the way I talk. Holiness is none of that. Holiness is not the way you dress. Holiness is not the way you speak. Holiness is not even the acts that you do in and of themselves. Holiness is hearing from the Holy Spirit and doing what he says. It's as simple as that. 
I know you want it to be more complicated because of what you've seen on TV and in churches and how people have acted and talked towards you. You want holiness to be something way more complicated than that. But holiness without the Holy Spirit is not holiness. Holiness is hearing what the Holy Spirit says and doing it. It's as simple as that. And all of these things are a result of that. That's the outward show. But that's what holiness is. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 14, to pursue peace with all people and holiness. We have to pursue it without which no one will see the Lord without the pursuit of holiness. So this, this, this pure life that we're trying to attain, this pure life that we need to aspire to is something, folks, that we need to aspire to. I don't want you to walk away from here today saying what we usually do. Well, I'm just human, so, I mean, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to do my thing and, you know, God just knows that's how I am. And you know, No, 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 it's not good enough. No, that, that attitude is not good enough. The attitude is not good enough. I'm sorry. Jesus has a standard. I, I, probably every Sunday I'll, I'll say it, I'll bring up this story because it's just my favorite story. But with a woman caught in adultery, no one accuses you. I'm the God of the universe. I've made everything, including the law and adultery. I want you to think about that for a moment. Everything came from God. But that's another, that's another, come on. Don't, let's not get into that. But I'm telling you, he, he knew about it. And he didn't accuse her. He said, I don't accuse you. Only one who could accuse her didn't. But then he said, go and sin no more. You ain't off the hook. Go and sin no more. There is a standard that we need to aspire to, folks. And I'm not talking about you're a bad person if you don't meet it. I'm talking about the heart. Because if God has your heart, then he has you. That's what he wants. Revive my heart for purity, Lord. That way when I fall, I come right back to you. What would have happened if Adam and Eve came back to God and repented instead of hiding. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what would have happened if they would have repented? God gave them, Adam, Eve, where are you? Opportunity to repent. He knew where they were, knew what they did. So yes, we have an opportunity to repent, but that has to be our heart to come back to God and submit to his word. That's the pure life that we want to aspire to. So the four questions. When are you going to get to the four questions? Okay, I'm getting to them right now. Four questions for the pure life. Four questions for the pure life. Amen. I want to write these down. First of all, ask this question. Is it helpful physically, spiritually, and mentally? Is it helpful? What, am I, what I'm doing, what I'm saying, the conversation I'm in, the jokes I'm telling, the jokes I'm laughing at, the, the whatever I'm watching. Come on, mirror. <laughs> Is it helpful physically, spiritually, and mentally? I know you want something real deep from the Bible. You want something from Revelation. This is just, this is just practical. Jesus was practical a lot of times. Is it helpful? You know, Paul asked this, he, he asked this question of himself. And you know what he came up with? He said, everything is permissible for me. Everything is permissible. But 
Not everything is beneficial. 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. Is it helpful to me? Is it helpful physically? Is it helpful? And I could, we could put the other side to that. Is it harmful to me? Is it harmful to me physically? Is it harmful to me spiritually? Is it harmful to me mentally? This is a question we can ask when we're in this. Is it harmful? Is it helpful? And then Paul said, I will not be brought under the power of any, which brings us to the second one. Here's the question you can ask. Does it bring me under its power? Right? You can do anything. But if it has you, if you find yourself obsessed, I can't do anything else but this. This is, you know, and it drives me. It, it makes me, it causes me to make decisions without thinking. Does it have you under its power? Paul said, nothing will have me under its power. Not even ice cream. Come on. That's what I need to say. I know I see you over there. I see you. Nothing will have me. My mother and her sister, my aunt, were identical twins. And people couldn't tell them apart. There's pictures I look at today that I, I look at them when they were young. And it takes me just a minute. And I go, okay, that, that's mom. And that's Janet. They were identical twins. But, you know, growing up in the 50s and 60s, they, uh, they both liked soda. They called it soda pop back then. And uh, one liked Coca-Cola and one liked Pepsi. My mom, my, mom, my mom loved Pepsi. You wouldn't catch her dead drinking Coke. That stuff is too harsh. I put it on, I put it on, I wash my windows with Coke. You know, I put it on a battery on the car and it removes the acid. I ain't, I ain't drinking Coke. I'm drinking this Pepsi. And my Aunt Jeanette, I go over to her house, she just has Coke. She said, that old sweet Pepsi is too soft. Raises my sugar level. I'm going to have diabetes over there drinking all this Pepsi. I need something harsh. Come on. I had a hard day. I don't drink liquor, so I'm going to drink this Coke. One of the things I found out with both of these uh, two women is that they couldn't do anything unless they had a Coke or a Pepsi. Every meal, every time, they, Dietrich and I invite my mom over to the house. We, got, we better get some Pepsi. We don't drink pop, but we better get some Pepsi. She coming over, or we going to hear it. We gonna hear, what y'all doing in here? Y'all ain't got no Pepsi. Y'all ain't no, 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 I was coming over. What's in this refrigerator? What y'all drinking? Y'all just drinking water? What, you don't love your mother no more? You going to hear it? But I saw how Pepsi had her. I mean, it's, you know, we joke about it and laugh about it. But listen, Paul said, I will, I will be under the power of nothing. There will be nothing that will bring me under its power. And I believe if we had that same mindset that Paul has, it wouldn't just be about Pepsi and ice cream, but it would be about all things. And then we could truly say, does it help me physically, spiritually, or mentally? Yes, because I'm not under its power. I'm not under its power. And then, number three, this is a big one. 
Don't only write this down, but I want you to write this down. I want you to get this one in your heart. Does it hurt others? Does it hurt others? Should be an easy question, right? Like, sure, duh, Pastor Mike. I mean, that's, does it hurt others? We don't want to do things that hurt others. Can I talk to the Christians for a moment? Here's, here's where I found myself in a situation sometimes. Because in the 90s, I, got, I, I responded to the Lord in the early 80s, answered an altar call, got saved, the whole thing, uh, and just went to church because it was what I was supposed to do. But in the, in the mid-90s, something happened to me. It was like this revival in my heart. And I just wanted to, to seek God's word. I was just so enamored with the word. I was just studying everything and I was listening to a lot of different preachers and I had all my Strong's concordances and I was looking up the Greek and the Hebrew and everything and I just dug into the word and I began to memorize scriptures. In fact, when we got married, my wife made me memorize the first chapter of James on our way to work because we worked at close to the same place. I don't remember it now, so don't ask me, but... Uh, she made me memorize it back then. It was a lot of years ago. And uh, so I just, you know, I had all this scripture in me. And so then what happened was I, I just became this person who loved to debate. I worked at the university, and there was another guy who worked at another, St. Louis University. I, I worked at IU. He worked at uh, St. Louis University. And uh, we talked on the phone for business sometimes and uh, found out that he was uh, a certain denomination that didn't believe in playing instruments in church. But I grew up a musician, or thinking I was a musician, you know, kind of half musician. That, and so I'm like, wait, that offends me. Hold on a second now. I don't see that in the Bible. So we just began to debate. And I knew different scripture, and he would call up different scripture. And, you know, he'd say, Jesus didn't authorize instruments in the New Testament. I said, Jesus didn't authorize automobiles either, but you drive one. You know, we go back and forth, and, you know, we do the whole thing. I mean, he had some good points, and I had some good points, and we were just debaters. And so because I had that attitude, that spirit of debate, there would be people who were not Christians or unchurched that would be asking questions or bringing up points. And I, and I, instead of saying Jesus loves you, but having my standard, I began to debate. And I, I don't know how many people I drove away with Scripture, with Scripture. Jesus had the perfect balance of compassion and empathy and standard. Now, I'm not talking about lowering standard. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm just saying there's a way to do it. Jesus ate with sinners. Pharisees asked him, why are you eating with all those sinners? He said, well, you're already righteous. I don't need to come for you. You're obviously healthy, right? Doctor don't need to come for the healthy. I need to come for the sick. So he didn't compromise himself. But he was able to infiltrate, come on, with compassion and empathy and word and standard. We have to figure that out. We have to figure that out, Christians. Ask yourself, does it hurt others? Does it hurt others? That's a good question to ask. And then finally, obvious question, obvious question. Does it glorify God? In other words, can Jesus go in here with me can Jesus go here with me can he participate that's the question 
That's the question. You know, I'm a person who I, I really believe, I, you know, unless you're, you're saying Jesus didn't die on the cross or something like that, I'm not, a, I'm not one to condemn you. I, I won't condemn you. You know, for example, you know, a lot of times we don't like to talk about it in church because it's a touchy subject, but let's just talk about drinking. All right. You want to take a drink every once in a while? I'm not the person to condemn you, even as Pastor Mike. I'll just tell you to ask this question. Because Paul said, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. And so here we go. Say, well, you know, listen, hey, in the Bible, uh, Jesus, in fact, Jesus was at a party. Not only was he at a wedding party where they had wine, but when they ran out, he made some more. He said, hold up, we got to keep the party going. His mother said, come on now, Jesus. We only in like day three of day seven. Let's keep the party going. He made more wine. That's in the Bible, folks. Jesus did it. And then Paul told Timothy, Timothy said, look, Paul, I ain't feeling too good. I think I need a colon cleanse. <laughs> Paul said, listen, look at Timothy. Take some wine. Take a little wine for your stomach. You'll be all right. Okay? So we know in the Bible that they obviously drank wine. We also know that Paul talked about don't be drunk with wine. Right? And so, yeah, you can make your argument. And that's fine. I'm telling you, it is. It's perfectly fine. All I'm saying is ask the question. You might say, well, I can go into a bar. How you know? I might see somebody that I might witness to. You know, you might. Can Jesus participate with me? Can he participate? That's all I'm saying. That's the question. Ask the question in the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. He'll tell you when to go into a bar and when not to. Come on. Does it glorify God? Because you'll drive people away. And even though you might say, I'm right, according to the scriptures, I'm right. But when you stand before God, God said, it's not so much that I needed you to be right. I need you to bring people into the kingdom. But you want to be right. You don't get no more points for being right. But when I say, well done, my good and faithful servant, it's because you obeyed me and you brought people into the kingdom. Does it glorify God? And can Jesus participate with me? These are the questions that we need to be asking. So should we pursue a holy life, a pure life? Absolutely. Yes, we should. Do we know that we are human beings and we falter every once in a while, sure, but that's not our default. That's not, that's not our excuse. You know it, but that's not your excuse. That's not your excuse. We always, we, you know, I hear people all the time talk about, well, you know, I just, you know, maybe it's just God's will that this happened to me and that happened to me. Well, does it say it in his word? Maybe you need to come up to his standard. Maybe you need to dig into the word. And it's okay. Listen, if you're not where you should be, nobody's condemning you for that. That's the, and that's what we're afraid of. I think that's what I, I have been afraid of in the past sometimes, is that I'm not where God wants me to be. So instead of trying to come up to where God is and being embarrassed in front of people, I'm just going to say, well, you know, maybe it's just not God's will for my life that, you know, I be healthy. Maybe it's not God's will for my life that I don't have uh, high cholesterol and high uh, diabetes and, you know, plantar fasciitis and uh, whatever else, hemorrhoids and I don't know, whatever else it's just God's will. 
I don't know. Maybe some of that is, but listen, here's the thing. Why not at least aspire to be what God wants you to be? Have the things, be the person that God wants you to be. Have the things, seek after. Jesus said, I have come, the enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy. But I have come that you might have and more abundantly. So why not aspire to that? Let's aspire to that. And it starts with aspiring to this pure life. That's what we all need to do.